Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the weekly podcast, The Unchangeable Truth. We just sit down with Pastor Stephen as he discusses his sermon from Highland Park Baptist Church, and we are honored and thankful that you've decided to listen. And we ask you to go ahead and, and click that subscribe button, click that like or the follow button. And then again, we are honored and thankful that you've decided to listen. So keep listening as Pastor Stephen discusses his weekly sermon. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast. We are in the podcast booth with the one and only Stephen Kyle. My name's Ryan, and uh, we're today we're discussing the Lord's Supper. So uh, Sunday, Pastor Stephen, we conducted the Lord's Supper. How is it doing the Lord's Supper with so many people in the room? Mm, yeah, it's uh, it's taxing. Um, yeah. Or taxing. Is that the word? Not sure. taxing. I don't think it's taxi. I think it's taxing. 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 Uh, the, uh, yeah, it just takes takes a long time. It takes a lot of prep. Our deacons takes, did a really good job. They did. They did. It takes a lot of deacons yep. to do that. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's the, the, the meaning is still the same. And, uh, you know, the beauty of the ceremony, likewise, I think is still the same. Um, but it just... It's 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 time naturally. You can yeah, yeah. You, in a in a church of twenty, you can uh, eat much easier. Yeah, do it than in a you know in a church. So this is an unrelated 2000. unrelated question and topic. But somebody asked me the other day, how many deacons do we have in our church? Yeah, how many deacons? Do we yeah, have? well, it's a uh, it the number changes. It var- it varies um, from time to time. We we just within the last two weeks had a uh, a very faithful. Deacon, who is actually the chairman of our deacons, he and his family moved to Colorado. So, uh, we're still upset about that. Yeah, I don't know if he listens to the podcast, but you can you can come home. You can always come home. Um, yeah. But uh, and I was even texting with him the other night about churches and stuff there in the Colorado Springs area where he's moved. But the uh, so so it goes back and forth. Right now, it's right around thirty. Mm. Uh, it'll it'll you know go down on the other side a few or yeah. jump back up a few. We don't sit there and focus on exactly. We've got to have X amount of deacons, but uh, if we have men that are qualified and we have seen evidence in their life of uh, of those qualifications being met, then and and there there's a willingness and a call there. Then man, they 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 come on and serve as a deacon. We have we have active we have inactive deacons in our church, which basically means. You know, once you're a deacon, you're always a deacon until you're removed. <laughs> you know, you should be removed right. from that deacon right, because you right. don't no longer fulfill the qualifications. But active deacons in our church, we we have uh, we have specific duties that our active active deacons help us with regarding homebound and visitation, hospital and uh, widow ministry, and various things like that. So our active deacons are actively doing that deacon ministry versus someone who's an inactive deacon they're still a deacon and they're going to they're going to serve as needed but yet they are not involved in that yeah. in that day by day rotation of the active deacon ministry so i got a question that'll lead right into our topic of the lord's supper so why 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 do the deacons why are they the ones that pass out the lord's supper why can't just any old joe and yeah. the congregation serve Lord's Supper. Why? Why? Are, why the deacons? Well, I think I think it really it's a it's a church decision. On for us, that's just one of the things that we've always had our ordained men do. Okay, um, it is to me. It's a beautiful picture of what a deacon is. Yeah. A deacon, 
the terminology diakonos literally means table waiter. You don't even have that in your notes, man. That just came off the top of your head. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it means table waiter. And so uh, you see this act of serving. So that's the way that yeah. I've always liked to do it. it, it nowhere. Uh, I don't. I don't think anywhere in scripture says it must be the deacons right, right. or anything. It is it is just a local church decision. And for us, there are very few times, and it's not important for our deacons to see, be seen. The way our deacons function in our church is they are just that. They are a table waiter. They are a ministry uh, body, and uh, they serve the Lord. They serve his church, and they, uh, they serve this pastor. And so they, uh, they're always about work, work work you know how can we how can we how can we fulfill that act six calling yeah. they're, they're not a board yeah. they're a body they don't sit around and make decisions on behalf of the church they just serve and so for us uh, i love the fact that the lord's supper is one of those instances where they can that service can be seen yeah um and our people oh oh yeah they're so these yeah. guys are the deacons of our church and they're they're here again not making decisions like a board but instead they're, so they're helping not, us they're not picking out paint colors <laughs> no no and I, now i'm not saying a deacon never has uh picked out paint colors but it would be more along the lines of hey he's a pretty good paint picker out <laughs> right, versus right. versus he's a deacon and he's got to do it yeah all right so with that sunday was a really good day and uh you kind of broke from our roman series to talk about the Lord's Supper because we we participated in that on Sunday morning. So I'm going to ask the first question. We have several questions for you. But the first question is, why is, or I'm sorry, what is the importance of the Lord's Supper um, as we do that in, in the service? What's the importance of the Lord's Supper? Well, the, the Lord's Supper is a, uh, it is a kind of a, this soul-stirring experience mm. yeah. because the depth of meaning that it contains. And we know that Christ first instituted the Lord's Supper during uh, the celebration of that age-old Passover. And so the night before his death, he he, he brings this new fellowship meal that we're observing today. Uh, I would say an integral part of Christian worship. And why is it integral? Because it causes us to remember Jesus's death and resurrection and also to anticipate and look for the glorious return uh, that'll happen sometime in the future. When I believe, you know, based, based upon my eschatology, I, I, I believe the next thing that'll happen on the prophetic calendar is will be the rapture of the church. And, I can't uh, wait. Yeah, I think it could happen at, <laughs> at any moment. And uh, I think today would be as good a day as any, yeah, right? Yeah. But, um, you know, Paul lays it out for us in the New Testament, what we've already seen. Uh, taking place in the Old Testament, the Passover that was celebrated by the Jews, and if you under if you kind of dig into the whole Passover experience, what a beautiful, yeah. beautiful foreshadowing yeah. of the perfect Lamb that would finally satisfy the wrath of God against sin for for, for forever. That there no longer would the blood of a lamb have to be slain because of the slain blood of Je- blood of Jesus Christ. But Paul, over in First Corinthians eleven makes the statement, hey, whenever you eat the bread, you drink this cup, you're proclaiming the Lord's death yeah. until he comes. Why is yeah. proclamation of his death so important? Because that's how our sin was covered. Right, right. Uh, he paid the price, right? So uh, Paul Paul is sitting there and Paul is saying, uh, you know, here's the here's the body of Christ. Well, actually, he's, he's, he's kind of repeating the words that 
that Christ himself shared yeah. in the Gospels as he instituted the Lord's Supper. But Christ said the bread spoke of his body, which would be broken. It's kind of interesting. There, there's not a, a, bo- a bone of his body that would be broken. Uh, Psalm 22 tells us that. Yeah. Isaiah 53 tells us that, that not a bone of his body would be broken. So what in the world did he mean when he speaks of uh, the bread is symbol of his body, which would be broken? Well, I, I mean, his body was so badly tortured, literally, it was it was barely even recognizable. And uh, and then the wine, the wine spoke of his blood, indicating the death that he would soon experience. And so when Christ comes along and Christ said, do this in remembrance of me, He's he's basically indicating this is a ceremony yeah. that it must be continued in the future, um, and and I would say as well it indicated that the Passover, which required the death of a lamb, looked forward to the coming of the Lamb of God who'd take away the sin of the world. That that would be fulfilled. The Passover was fulfilled in the Lord's Supper. Yeah. So again, why is it important for us to do this? Because it is a remembrance of what Christ did for us. And it's a celebration of what we receive as a result of his sacrifice and what will happen again or what will happen in the future when he returns. So uh, kind of a, another question. How, how often should the Lord's Supper be observed? Well, it would be great if Scripture tells us. <laughs> right. Would it not? Right. It would. If yeah. Scripture's like, okay, do this once a month. Yeah. Or if it says, uh, you know, every time you gather together, and I know churches that do that. I know some churches that do it every single Sunday. So the answer to the question is, it never tells us. It never tells us how often we should take the uh, the Lord's Supper. And so it is an individual church decision i do think it should be uh it should be taken often enough to um to renew the focus on christ but not so often that it becomes a routine yeah and um and i would say this and i heard an old preacher make this comment it's not how frequent you take the lord's supper that matters the most but it's the it's the attitude of the heart of those who participate that that's the key so I would say that's an individual church thing. And, and let us be careful. Let us be careful to speak on things that Scripture doesn't speak on. And so to sit there and say, hey, you guys do it every week. You're wrong in doing that because it'll become so uh, uh, ritualistic and such a routine that you'll lose the importance. Well, I, I would say, yeah, that could be the case. But only God knows the heart of every individual. Yeah. And let us also be, be be quick not to say, oh, my goodness, you guys only do it once a quarter. Right. right. You really don't love Jesus. Right. Well, no, again, it's not the frequency, but it's the heart uh, attitude of those who participate in the Lord's Supper. Now, I know for us, we do it once a quarter. Right. We, we do it only on Sunday morning once a year. It is – we have so many people that come on Sunday morning. Uh, it's multiple services. It requires so much that the, the three other times that we do it a year, we do it uh, usually in midweek services. Yeah. I know we uh, the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, yeah. we always take the Lord's Supper, and we our midweek service is Tuesday that week instead of Wednesday. But that way, a lot of folks can go ahead and travel and do whatever they need to do, get the giblets put in the turkey or whatever, <laughs> whatever they need to get ready, right? Um, in the... <laughs> Gizzards, gizzards. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I don't, no, I don't giblets, eat pizza. Giblets. You don't forget the giblets. 
Yeah, I have I'll be honest no with you. I don't, I don't even know what giblets are, uh, but is that uh, giblets is kind of never gizzards, heard of right? giblets. I've heard gizzards. Uh, it's all the guts. Excuse me, our uh, our producer who is an inactive deacon, um, <laughs> and we've been praying about him, that active status. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, anyway, that's okay. That's okay. The Lord, Lord, will, is he, will move. Is he the one you were talking about in staff meeting the other day? <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember what I said in staff meeting. But uh, no, no, we love our producer enough. We would just say it to Journey's face. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the uh, and then we and we do it. We do it as well. The Wednesday of uh, of the week of Easter. Yeah. yeah. We we always do it then, and then we do it another Wednesday night during the year, and and that's just how we as our church have said we're going to do that and and the, and the reality is that's how that's how I've I've kind of said that we would do it as yeah. the pastor of the church and so uh, it tends to go well naturally it'd be awesome to be you know to do it more and all that but it it kind of works for us yeah I'm not again I'm not going to sit there and um we we have churches that we have helped plant that we have helped start and they do it every single week yeah and it works for them it goes great for them yeah. uh a little bit easier again to do that when you're talking 200 versus yeah. 2000 um, so this is more of a little bit more of a difficult question, but why are there so many disagreements about the Lord's Supper? Um, like why, uh, again, just the disagreements and maybe different religions, different doctrines, why so many diff- di- disagreements about the Lord's Supper? Well, I mean, and you'd say maybe denominations because, you know, hopefully, uh, well, I don't know of any uh, non-Christian yeah, <laughs> religion that would celebrate the Lord's Supper, but there are some that would even question what what may be known as denominations. If you look at Catholicism uh, versus some of the others, but the thirty thousand foot view answer to the question of why there's such disagreement about the Lord's Supper is because uh, it's human beings that are taking it, mm. Mm. and why is humans? It's like it's like disagreement is the uh, uh, the really old fashioned. Um, soda shop cherry coke you know that is just like the coke is is just perfect there's not watered down it's not like you get through the wendy's drive-thru and i make the mistake all the time i'll go through the wendy's drive-thru and i tell myself don't order don't order anything to drink because their drinks are always bad i don't know what it is like their burgers fries excellent you know what i'm saying the little frosties that you can get oh perfect their drinks terrible you order their drink you take one sip and you're like ah i knew this they got me again and so uh, when I sit there and I look at um, I look at uh, the importance of the Lord's Supper and all that kind of stuff, you know, we're talking about uh, we're just we're just talking about kind of some some beautiful things that happen and take place. The um, I don't even know what illustration or what point I was making with the sodas anymore. I kind of lost my mind when you get in your fifties. That tends to happen uh, just a little bit, but. Uh, let's talk about what's first of all, what do we know is agreed on? Yeah. Um, well, we, uh, we know that, uh, Jesus is the one who instituted it. I've never had anyone say, no, Jesus is not the one who (laughs) who told us to do the Lord's supper. No, he's the one. He did it with his disciples. Uh, he, uh, he served them bread and, and the cup. We know there's no disagreement over that. Um, told them these elements, body and blood. There is disagreement over, is that literal? Do they literally become the body and the blood of Christ, or are they just merely symbolic of that? Well, maybe we'll talk about that just a little bit later. And then he also said, hey, repeat the ceremony and do this in remembrance of me. Every I, I've yet to meet anyone yeah. who had difficulty with, with all of that. 
Um, now, there are those who disagree about was he speaking of the body and the blood figuratively or literally? Uh, were his words a kind of this, some believe, a mystical combination of the figurative and the literal? Uh, kind of like what we talked about earlier. Folks disagree on how often is the church to observe communion? Um, is the Lord's Supper, is it a way uh, or a means of grace? Mm. And there's some that take it that far or simply a memorial. And then there are folks, I find it interesting, there are folks that will even disagree. What was in the cup? Yeah. Was it fermented wine or unfermented grape juice? (laughs) Uh, I have my own opinions on that. It does, you know, I believe it was literal fermented wine, but probably not fermented the way that you would go get, uh, you know, maybe your Hennessy is today. And honestly, I don't even know what that is. But your box, uh, your box wine reference from Sunday. sure, yeah. I don't know. I don't know exactly what it was like. That just sounds um, weird. I'm not a wine drinker, but box wine it just sounds. I don't. Uh, I don't think of anything that I would drink out of a box. You ever had box water? Box water is pretty good. I've never. That is that a thing? You can get it Winn Dixie right down the road. Boxed water, little bitty boxes of water, and it is so good. I'm going to bring you some boxed water. Like dead serious, it, like cardboard box. I mean, I'm sure it's got some. You're gonna go you know, bankrupt on buying box water after you drink the first one. It'll be a new thing. Box water. That's crazy. The 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 key part when we come to why is there so much disagreement about the Lord's Supper? Uh, a lot of things that people disagree about. We just don't have the answers to. Yeah. The key part is it's all about Jesus Christ, right? Right. It is a it is a reminder. Of the work that he did on the cross, also the 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 great uh, uh, birthright that comes through the empty tomb, and I would say as well, just the beautiful beautiful uh, uh, anticipation yeah. of the second coming of Christ and the rapture of the church out of here. So, uh, again, why is there so much disagreement? Because I mean, uh, why are there so many different denominations right. with the Christian faith? Right. Well, and I think you did a great job Sunday of you know pointing to the cross and pointing to the reason why we do this is because of what Jesus did and the work that he did on the cross because of the fact that uh, we have salvation through Jesus. And um, I, I, I just think he did a great job of just correlating the two going, Hey, it's not just the Lord's supper is not just something that we come in the room and do because we're supposed to do it, but really pointing us to who Jesus is and what he did. So, yeah. And I, and I know I remember now where I was going with the whole old fashioned sodas, uh, with the you know the real cherry uh, yeah. in it, the real cherry coke, the uh, for 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 Christians, and I would just say for us as generally as believers or even as human beings, to us that's disagreement. Hmm. That's disagree. Oh, 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 let's focus on what we disagree. There's nothing better. Yeah. We love eating at the buffet of disagreement. <laughs> um, but instead. Instead, uh, why not the approach of let's talk about what we agree on here. Yeah. Uh, and and my whole deal is if you believe in salvation by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ, I can break bread with you. Now, um, in a non-public setting, ah, man, I'll debate you all day long. <laughs> but again, eventually I've got to get to the point where I'm like, have I made this – have I made this debate and have I made my own platform yeah. a god? Yeah. Mm. And is it is it is it taking away from me spreading and propagating the the grace and the gospel of Jesus Christ? Mm. 
So as long as people are alive, yeah. friend, they'll always disagree yeah. over things that the Bible is not specific about. Just be careful. Be careful that the way you do something that Scripture doesn't spe- specifically speak on, that it doesn't become a little false idol. Mm. That's a good word. Uh, our next question is, uh, what is the spiritual presence view of the Lord's Supper? Um, I'll ask that again. What is the spiritual presence view of the Lord's Supper? Yeah, and, and maybe our listeners aren't aware of, right. what, what do you mean by spiritual presence view? That's what we hold to. Uh, a spiritual presence means this. We believe spiritually, yes, the presence of Christ is here. Of course, now, we believe anytime we gather together uh, for one common cause, which is to exalt Jesus and to make sure the gospel goes forth, and we come under that umbrella of being uh, sons and daughters of God who have been redeemed and set free by Jesus Christ, that he is in presence. We even quote the scripture where two or three are gathered in his name. He is there in the presence. So not physically present, spiritually present. I could make the argument that sometimes the physical, or excuse me, sometimes the spiritual presence of Christ is a lot, uh, a lot more real and a lot thicker than what would be maybe yeah. the physical presence of yeah. someone. The, uh, you know, the difference is there are folks that kind of hold, and, and this is a traditional Roman Catholic view, which is known as transubstantiation, which is sometimes called the real presence view. Again, we're a spiritual presence view. The body, it, it is, it, it represent, or excuse me, the bread represents the body, the, the, the juice or the wine represents the blood, and spiritually, absolutely, he is in presence. But that transubstantiation would sit there and say, uh, you know, when the, when the priest pronounces the words, this is my body over the bread, and he lifts the cup up, then the, the elements are actually changed into the physical body and blood of Jesus Christ. And um, and they would say, this change is not, you really can't discern it uh, in your senses. In other words, the bread and wine still look and taste like bread and wine, but they really are the blood and the body of the Lord and that you're to honor them as such. And uh, and then you, then you come along, Martin Luther, he kind of yeah. held to a position called consubstantiation. Which basically, he says, the body and the blood are physically present with the elements. The elements do not change, and the body and the blood cannot be recognized by taste. But in some real physical way, the the body and the blood of Jesus Christ are present. Now, most uh, Protestants today, and I use the term Protestant by saying anything that is not Catholic that holds to salvation through Jesus Christ— most Protestants today kind of hold to what we do, this spiritual presence of Jesus in the Lord's Supper, that the elements do not change. They do not really become the body and the blood of Jesus in any way. They're merely symbols of his body and blood. That, yes, Jesus did say, this is my body, this is my blood, but it was in the context of a Passover meal in which every element of the Passover meal has symbolic meaning. Right. Uh, it would have been entirely out of context for the disciples to interpret these two items literally. Yeah. Especially since Jesus had not even been crucified right. yet. Right. Uh, so we we I mean. Absolutely, we we recognize they're more than just symbols of something that happened a long time ago. You know, but. Uh, we we kind of we kind of follow this um, this spiritual 
presence view of the Lord's Supper. So who can take the Lord's Supper according to the Bible? Yeah. I'd say a key part of that question is the last last phrase. <laughs> yeah. According yeah. to the Bible. Yeah. And I'll just say this. There it's a pretty clo- good foundation. to Right. 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 I, well, I mean, again, if we're talking about the picture that it's presenting, yeah. then it must be someone who is a follower right. of Jesus Christ. We right. would say someone who is saved. Clearly, it means somebody who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is Lord of their life. They've confessed him publicly as Lord and Savior. So we uh, we we know that it's for the believer. How how in the world can I can I say, hey, here, let me let me show you the symbol of what has happened here with the body and the blood of Christ? Unless I have not placed my faith and trust in Him, there are. But you know, there are folks that come along and they they practice all kinds of. Uh, of communion. You have churches that are what are known as closed communion, and they say, well, you know what, you've got to be a member of our church in order for you to take this. If you're not a member of the church, then you can't take the Lord's Supper. We are closed. This is closed to members only. And then you have some churches that practice open communion. That's what we practice. You don't have to be a member right. of our church, but you right. do need to be a member of the uh, universal church, which is the body of Christ. It's not dependent upon a particular local body. It's not dependent upon a particular denomination. It is dependent upon you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. And so for us, we don't we don't walk around to every individual. You know, there's not a a lead deacon. I don't know. Maybe maybe this would be something if if Journey ever came back on as active, we could give him this task. But there's no deacon that walks around and looks at him and says, "Okay, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior?" Yes. All right, boys, give yeah. them some. So, do you know? <laughs> uh, well, we were, you know, we went to, with the students to camp this past couple weeks, and uh, the camp director said that in one of their evaluation forms, like somebody somebody that was a volunteer wanted the camp. Now this camp serves, you know, thousands of students every summer. They wanted unsaved kids to have a different tag, a different lanyard color than the kids that were saved. Mm. Like, you know, they wanted to differentiate all right, which which students need Jesus and which students don't, and let's differentiate those by what, different what, what colored. Is, what's the purpose of that? I, I I don't know. He he didn't really go into it off of that. He was just saying, hey, like some of the things that we get here, are the things that we deal with, but the fact that they they wanted a you know different colored lanyards to separate who <laughs> was saved or not. So we could do that with the. Our, our head deacon here. Uh, yeah, could, yeah, you know, I guess. All right, house. Lord's Supper <laughs> service is coming up. Yeah, uh, don't forget to put on your yellow shirt, <laughs> right. so we'll know that right. you're part of the regenerate. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The uh, well, you know, there there are some churches that practice a what what's described as a radically open communion, a radically open Lord's Supper. Uh, some of them even refer to it as the open table, and they're saying, well, this is an attempt. For us to be fully inclusive, and uh, you you hear those two words together in right. church, you're like, oh <laughs> right. boy, yeah, oh boy, this is going to be at the sake of some yeah biblical yeah. doctrine here. <laughs> right. But they'll invite anyone and everyone to participate in the Lord's Supper, regardless 
of spiritual standing or or even evidence of of mm. unrepentant open sin in their yeah. life and um and they're like we just we invite everyone to come you know one of the things that we do is i sit there and tell folks hey listen this is a great time this is a great time for you to examine yourself because that's one of the things that that scripture tells us happens at the Lord's Supper. I examine myself. Is yeah. there any unrepentant sin there in my yeah. life that I'm embracing? This would be a great time to uh, confess that and repent of that. You say, well, if you're an unbeliever, then really what you need to do is you you need full repentance. You need full salvation. I would agree 100 yeah. percent. OK, so if you've made that clear and we're talking about those that are already saved, then why in the world would they would examine themselves? That's already been covered mm-hmm. under the cross. We don't examine ourselves through that necessarily to deem are we still a part of the family of God? Uh, but let's just be honest. There are seasons of our life to where there is sin that is unrepented or uh, that we tend to uh, gravitate toward that it does affect the fellowship uh, that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I mean, we can break down all the book of 1 John mm-hmm. where he tells us if we are faithful and just to confess our sins, then he, you know, then he's faithful and just, and this is my paraphrase, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins right. and all unrighteousness. And, uh, and I hold to the truth that he's not talking there about the lost. He's talking there right. about those that are in Christ. That's the, what the whole premise of 1 John is. Well, but... Yeah. Who can take the Lord's Supper according to the Bible? Um, to me, there are two types of people who should not take the Lord's Supper, and it's the unregenerate and the unrepentant. Mm. That communion should not really be open to those that are not born again or those that are living in known, unconfessed sin. Mm. So uh, so this next question, I, I'm really interested in and how you answer this, because I've never really thought of it this way, but can people be physically healed through taking the Lord's Supper? <laughs> yeah. The, uh... I, so I, I, excuse my ignorance, but, like, people really think that? Like... I, I, I've, absolutely they okay. do, and there are... Uh, there are folks out there who who even teach this, who have written books on this, who've preached sermons on this. Uh, one of the most well-known that has done this is uh, Joseph Prince. Mm. Uh, is he like South Korea, maybe? Is that where he pastors? Seoul, South Korea? I, I want to say he's South Korean, but I may be wrong there. Maybe, maybe Philippines. I'm not exactly sure. But, uh, you know, a very well-known television ministry that is all over TV, and he has written um, some articles, and he's, again, preached sermons and other things. But he's he's not the only one. Now, let me just stop. He's in Singapore. Okay, he's in Singapore. Uh, the Let me just stop and say this. God can do what God wants to do. If God wants to heal somebody physically Absolutely. while they're taking the Lord's Supper, he's sovereign. Absolutely. He can do whatever in the world that he wants to do. God has the ability to to grant health to anybody that he wants to. Um, I, I've, I've got an excerpt here from uh, the book that uh, that was written regarding this from, from Prince. And uh, here's what he said. He said, Uh, As long as we're here on earth, our bodies are subject to the aging process, which is part of the divine sentence. 
All our bodies are decaying every day. Our brain cells are dying daily. We would all agree with that. The Holy Communion is God's solution for us to stop the decay. And even your friends will see the results. They will begin to ask you, hey, why do you seem to look younger and younger? You never seem to age. And uh, anyway, it's it's almost like, I mean, we know Scripture tells us that one day when we get to heaven, we're going to have brand new bodies that never grow old. They uh, never get tired and they never look bad, which we're just like, what? So basically, based on what he has just written, the Lord's Supper is how God helps us offset this process of wow. aging and wow. walk in divine help. And every time you partake, you're reversing the effects of the curse or you're reversing the effects of divine judgment in your body. Wow. Is, I've never heard that. Is what he uh, writes. And well, and, 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 and he, as well as others, they'll, they use the text, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, a main biblical reference and, um, you know, I've read through uh, the book and the articles and various things like that. And uh, I find it interesting. They want to highlight uh, verses 20 through 22 in First Corinthians 11, and they want to highlight uh, verses 27 through 30. But they don't want to highlight verses 20 through 23 through 26 of First Corinthians chapter 11, which explains the real purpose of the Lord's Supper. Uh, this is what Paul writes in those verses. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, what? You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Mm. And so when, when, when Paul wrote this over in 1 Corinthians 11, he was referring to Luke 22, verse 19, where it plainly states, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so I, the question that I have for those who believe that healing occurs through the Lord's Supper is that if the Lord's Supper is intended to provide uh, this divine physical healing, why wouldn't Jesus have said, do this to heal your bodies? Right, right, right. Or why wouldn't he have said, yeah. do this in remembrance and it'll heal your bodies also? Yeah. Uh, man, to me, these alternative phrasings would definitely have proved that there is divine healing. You're just being logical. Yeah, man. in the Lord's yeah. Supper. Um, but yet, you know, people who preach this, they, 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 uh, well, I know this book, you know, Prince makes it clear that he, and, and it's funny cause I mean, we're not talking about the Prince or the artist formerly known <laughs> as Prince. Uh, we're talking about Joseph Prince makes it clear that he's going to refer to first Corinthians 11 and he probably knew that verses 23 through 26 would really not cast his what I believe is unscriptural doctrine in a favor of light. So he does what? He chooses to skip over these verses yeah. entirely all <laughs> together. But even uh, without those verses, Ryan, yeah. he still Golly. failed to establish a direct relation between healing and the Lord's Supper. And um, here, here's here's what he wrote. And I know we're going a little bit deeper in this one. We probably should. It's okay. He wrote, he wrote, what is it to partake unworthily? 
Read the rest of verse 29, and you'll conclude that if you fail to discern or understand the significance of the Lord's body, you are eating and drinking in an unworthy manner. The Corinthians partook unworthily because they did not recognize that the broken body of the Lord was meant to bring them health and wholeness. And by treating the Holy Communion as a ritual, they missed out on the blessings. They did not understand, this is his quote, they did not understand the significance of, of the bread. They did not know why they were partaking, and this is what it means to partake unworthily. The manner in which we partake will determine whether we experience the benefits of the Lord's body. If our attitude is it's just a piece of bread, then that's what it'll be, and we will have robbed ourselves of the life-giving effects of the bread mm. at his table. Mm. And yet you look at the full context, or the full text of verse 29, where it says, for anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. What, what, what Prince is doing is he's implying that the Corinthians failed to recognize the life-giving effects which he took to be what? Healing and health and wholeness. However, there's a difference between the phrase recognizing the body and recognizing the benefits yeah. of the body. And so when you use that former one, you're yeah. basically, uh, you know. So it, many it, questions. Yeah. Well, it's trying to caution Christians not to treat the Holy Communion like an ordinary meal by looking towards the atonement of Jesus Christ while the latter is stressing on the blessings of the atonement. Um, and so I'm just saying he, yeah. uh, he as well as others, are they're adding so much more yeah. to what I don't think it was intended to be. Um, and, and, and I could go in and read more and more on this book. You know, he even, he even quotes 3 John 1, 2, where it says, before you partake, just know that God wants you to prosper in all things and be... And be in health just as your soul prospers, and he completely well, there pulls, you go. He completely pulls it out of context because the thir, third John one two states this: <laughs> "Dear friend, I pray that you may prosper in every way and be in good health, just as your soul prospers." The I in the verse is not God, right? It's the Apostle John, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. and so it's talking about John's will. John's like, man, I hope you're healthy and I hope everything's good. Yeah. I mean, it'd be like God saying, if God said, I hope you're healthy and everything's good, guess what? You'll be healthy. Right. And everything will be good. Right. Um, anyway. I, I that, mean, was, we, that was John's way of saying, hey, man, how you doing? <laughs> right. Well, let, let me read this. And I want, here's the article. And, and, and this is crazy, especially you, some our listeners probably never heard of this. You guys have never read this. I want, here's how he ends the, the book, okay? He says, um, See the Lord carrying all of your sins and diseases. He took your sins in his body on the cross. We would agree with that. See him taking on his body your physical conditions. If you have a tumor, see the tumor on his body. Whatever disease you might have, see it on his body. It is now no longer on you. Wow. See his health come on you. And then he tells folks, wow. he tells folks to take the Lord's Supper take communion regularly in their own home. And listen to this. Here's the instructions. Hold the bread in your hand and say this. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. 
It is for my healing, my spouse's healing, and my children's healing. Thank you that by your stripes, by the beatings you bore, by the lashes which fell on your back, we are completely healed. I believe it, and I receive it. Take the bread. Next, take the cup in your hand and say this. Thank you, Jesus, for the new covenant cut in your blood. Your blood has brought me forgiveness and washed me from every sin. I thank you that your blood has made me righteous. And as I drink, I celebrate and partake of the inheritance of the righteous, which is preservation, healing, wholeness, and prosperity. Drink the wine. Now, he completely misrepresented Isaiah 53, 5. Yeah. He takes it completely yeah. out of context. The verse, yeah. uh, it partially it's reappears crazy. in 1 Peter 2, 24, but the phrase is transgressions, iniquities, and bore our sins. Yeah. He's talking about spiritual healing. Yeah. He's not talking about physical healing. Mm. And and I'll, I'll also add uh, that this act of visualization, it takes the sovereign will of God out of the healing yeah. process. Yeah. It, to me, it's almost mocking God by saying healing is dependent upon the Lord's Supper, yeah. not on God's sovereign will to heal at any time he pleases to. And so that doctrine falsely teaches that our visualizations and our rituals they're the main factor for the physical healing process. I just say it's it's an unscriptural teaching. Yeah, that I don't think it's yeah. it's it's not a whole lot unlike the Roman Catholic doctrine of of baptismal regeneration. Yeah, where they say water baptism plays a major role in the forgiveness of sin. You know the kind of that false gospel that teaches that without water baptism, no one is saved. And what it fails is to consider that salvation is totally the work of God. It is not of man driven right. rituals. Chapter and verse, friend. That's what you would say, right? Exactly. Well, and let me just say this. The doctrine of healing through the Lord's Supper takes away the full glory of healing from God by making God dependent upon our rituals. And the yeah, truth of the matter is word. God can that's save at any time he pleases. Yeah. He also can heal at any time yeah. he pleases. God does not mm. need any man-driven rituals to aid him in carrying out his will. Yeah. So uh, yeah. do I believe that physical <laughs> healing comes from taking the Lord's Supper? I will go back and say, God is God. God does as he pleases. If Correct. God wants to do that, he can do that. But but trying to take Scripture and manipulate it to, uh, to cause God to perform or act based upon what you have done, that, to me that is contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, man, that's uh... – yeah, I was not aware of how deep some of that stuff went on some of the healing stuff. That's uh, thank you for giving a clear answer on that. Uh, we'll we'll close it out, man. Uh, Pastor Stephen, thank you for going through the Lord's Supper in such an in depth way. Thank you for diving in as we always do every week. But uh, you got anything else to say on this or? Yeah, I would, I would just say this. I would just say that the Lord's Supper, again, as with any scripture, whether it be Old Testament or New, New Testament, that anything as the church that the church has been has been instructed by the Bible to do, it is all intended to point people to yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah, Put those Jesus glasses yeah, on, right? For sure. But the, that's why you have to be careful. Yeah. Oh no, no, I'm going to put my healing glasses right. on. No, 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 no. Let me put my Jesus glasses on, yeah. and then that way everything looks right. Well, I'm going to put my prosperity glasses. No, 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 no. Yeah. Go ahead and put those Jesus glasses on. 
Right. That's the only way that you can you can get the focus that God wants you to to get focused on. And I would say that's true when it comes to Lord's Supper yeah. or anything altogether. It is intended for us to give great yeah. glory, great praise, absolutely, uh, and um, absolutely, you know, to remember what He's done, what He's doing, and to praise Him. That finally one day He's going to fix all that sin has messed up. Because mm. when you know before sin got involved, it, it was it was pretty good. <laughs> Creation was pretty right. good. Right. And then sin just royally messed mm. it up. We even had somebody saved this weekend talking about the Lord's Supper. So that was good. It was a good week. All right. Well, Pastor Stephen, thank you for your time. Thank you always for pointing us to the gospel, pointing us to Jesus. And uh, we'll see you next week on The Unchangeable Truth. Hey, guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. This is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida, and we would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www.highland, and it's H-I-L-A-N-D, park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email, info at highlandpark.org. If you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him, our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.